I'm delighted to announce that the National Association for Primary Education has exclusively released a video from its Primary Education Summit, Visions for the Future. This video, recorded by me, Mark Taylor, and Al Kingsley, talks about creating digital strategies for schools. This video is available for you to watch now at educationonfire.com forward slash blog, which I really hope gives you a taster of some of the amazing content that was available as part of that Primary Education Summit. That's educationonfire.com forward slash blog. Hello, my name is Mark Taylor and welcome to the Education on Fire podcast. The place for creative and inspiring learning from around the world. Listen to teachers, parents and mentors share how they are supporting children to live their best authentic life and are proving to be a guiding light to us all. Hello, welcome back to the Education on Fire podcast. Thank you so much for everyone who's been sharing the podcast and those people who've been in touch um, saying what a great idea it is to do some of our live podcasts where we can bring everybody together and you can get involved in the chat and while we're recording a podcast, ask some questions, comment on on some themed podcasts that we've got coming up. So more information of that in the coming weeks. But yeah, thank you so much for everyone's participation and, and general enthusiasm for, for what's happening here on the show. Now today I'm delighted to be chatting to Molly Boulding and she's an education journalist, inclusion consultant and online educator based in London. She's been teaching and tutoring online since 2018 but has also taught in classrooms in the UK and Japan. Although mostly teaching English both in UK curriculums and as in English as a foreign language, she has previously tutored history, geography, math, science as well as university applications and personal statements. Now Molly's first book, The Online Tutor's Toolkit, is out now with Routledge. The book contains everything you need to know to get started as an online tutor. It covers the essentials of tutoring, choosing your tech and software, managing homework and getting set up alongside detailed guidance focusing on each level of tuition. Now, the book's divided into two parts. The first is the logistical questions facing every new tutor such as what equipment to use, where do you apply, how much do I charge. But the second half focuses on how to tutor different age groups effectively and subject specific areas including English, maths and science. This also includes the author's tried and tested five-step process for choosing a subject, assessing a student and planning their first lessons. This is a fascinating conversation about everything to do with setting yourself up as an online tutor, but also some insights to help you understand what's involved and the best practices. So I really hope you enjoy this, my conversation with Molly Bolding. Hi Molly, thank you so much for joining us here on the Education on Fire podcast. We have a diverse amount of conversations going on and a diverse amount of ages and people living all the way around the world. So just first of all, give us a, a very sort of short snapshot of, uh, of sort of your education, educators life so far. Sure, yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It's lovely to be here. So um, I, I, a very brief kind of um, pricey, if you like, of my uh, educator background. So I uh, first started as an online tutor in 2018. Um, I'd been working various kinds of jobs before that, but when I got to university, they said, okay, no, no Saturday job, no, no shift work or anything. It has to be anything that it can be really flexible essentially. Um, and so I saw an ad for tutoring online at all. That seems good. It's flexible. I can fit it around my classes and lectures and things. Um, and immediately just fell in love with it. It was immediately like, yeah, I, I really enjoy working with students. This is such an enlightening kind of fun uh, way to spend time. And it's really supporting me and my work as well. My study, it was, I've noticed how much um, more I was enjoying my own kind of university work um, off the back of talking about poems and, and stories with younger students. And just, yeah, it kind of stuck. And I did that all the way through uh, university. And then Towards the end of university, um, I was what three years in at that point. I'd taught 
um, several hundred lessons I'd managed to secure off the back of that a couple of opportunities to teach in classrooms um, and I just suddenly was like yep yeah, this is something that that really fits for me um, and so I got towards the end of my degree and uh, a men an old mentor of mine actually said um, you know some of the writing that you've been doing kind of on the side I've been working a little bit as a journalist and, and doing some bits for for the Times Educational Supplement and a few other publications and he said oh you could really you could really do something with this you could really write something long and I thought mm, I don't know about that I'm not sure if I'm ready to, to commit to something really big and so I sat down and he said just write a sample chapter just just put something together um, and before I knew it I had like two or three thousand words just about my experience as a tutor up to that point I thought yeah there, there's really something going here um, and so yeah so that's kind of where I, I started thinking about kind of my educator experience more more broadly uh, and it's got me to, to here yes it's been a, a funny journey and a very unconventional one um, I've got friends who are proper teachers who've taken the kind of quote-unquote proper route um, into education and it's been really fun kind of contrasting my journey as a one-to-one -one tutor slash small group uh, teacher uh, with their more sort of traditional classroom background and, and seeing sort of differences in our experiences yeah yeah so just take us into to some of those differences and um, both in terms of like say your experience of kind of having sort of one foot in each camp but also like say from your friends sort of being well intruding in encapsulated in that in that sort of traditional system yeah sure so I've got a friend who's a, a the most sort of closest friend who I've known as much the most about her journey and um, she's a primary school teacher in Cambridge and it's been really interesting sort of seeing how she has been taught to handle um, classes and kind of group behavior and thinking about how to, to do behavior management on a big scale when we're talking 20 or 30 children um, compare that to me who's only ever worked with I think the maximum I've worked with I think is a group of 10 students at once online um, the the vast majority of my work has been one-to-one -one. so behavior management is a very different ball game when you're working one-to-one -one. um it's it's more about the kind of individual rapport in that relationship that you have with the students something that builds up you know over many weeks or months i think the longest student i've ever had is about two and a half years so that's a very different kind of way of thinking about and managing behavior um but flip side of that is that actually when she's in a classroom she's right there with the student if something's going wrong or they need help she's kind of on hand and it's a very practical thing whereas for me the distance of the screen has kind of introduced this additional barrier especially for for younger students if you're working with a seven eight nine year old actually the screen can be a real issue for them in terms of attention span or you know managing to kind of um get that non-verbal communication or those kinds of things across and so it's kind of yeah it's been really interesting kind of comparing some of the things that have I found really beneficial one-to-one -one obviously creates that space where you can focus on exactly what that student needs and you can kind of um, put aside the audience that they might feel if they were working alongside their peers or you can kind of go back over something three or four times if they need it rather than maybe the once or twice they might get in the classroom but uh, kind of on the on the other side of that you don't see them in person you don't get to do those kind of game playing or kind of fun discussion elements in the same way that you might with a, a group or a large class so it's been really interesting kind of exploring the the differences that that creates and, and personally I'm a huge advocate for for one-to-one -one. Um, I think it's a, a really valuable kind of addition to um, a, a, a kind of child's education but at the same time I completely recognize that that is where it kind of will stay for many as, a, as an additional kind of supplementary piece um, and often for only those who can either afford it who or who have access to it via pupil premium and so it can uh, it can feel at, at times as though it's kind of a luxury for some or something that's only offered to a select group and com comparing that to obviously the the kind of en masse education that's offered in schools is again 
adds that additional kind of factor. Um, so yeah, lots of things to think about. And I think it's really kind of um, sharpened my awareness of the, the different ways that the different things that tutoring can offer versus kind of a, a sort of typical classroom education. I really try uh, in my writing and my thinking about education to try and kind of remember that and to bear that in mind and think about some of the things that teachers, traditional classroom teachers can learn from that and some of the lessons that can be taken from my experience as a, as a one-to-one kind of provider, but at the same time, how it is a very different experience and, and the ways that it kind of needs to be adapted and thought about as a result. And we've covered quite a lot here on the podcast in terms of sort of the online element of, mm. of education. And of course, since the pandemic and, and all those kind of things, it, it obviously has changed, but also, like I say, it's thrown up some interesting conversations about whether there should be more of it, whether we should completely return just face to face and, you know, in, in that kind of grey area in between. Mm. Um, in terms of that of that connection, which you mentioned, what do you think the the difference is? Is it something about the fact that you don't have this kind of the, the being in the physical space brings a kind of a communication which is hard to describe, but it is definitely a barrier in in some way. You don't have that kind of easing into a conversation. It's kind of like, oh, here we are, and now we're doing this, and then we're doing that, rather than that, you know, the sort of the wandering into a classroom and the sitting down and you're getting everything out. Is I mean, can you sort of pinpoint it in those sorts of ways? Do you think? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's really interesting. I mean, having taught, I mean, I think I'm coming up on a thousand hours of, of online in one to one one-to-one lessons um, at this point so I mean I've seen it all really I've seen every kind of version of, of how that can go and it's really interesting thinking about some of the ways that that some of the ways that that one-to-one moments and the, and the ways that those conversations can you're absolutely right it is less natural it is less of a conversation it's less of a journey <laughs> you know I'm turning up on a it's effectively a zoom call though it's it's a, usually a more supportive kind of um, online class um software but it's essentially a zoom call for all intents and purposes it's two faces on a screen next to each other and so it can feel quite artificial to be like okay now we're going to look at a book and we're going to read this extract and we're going to do this exercise and it doesn't have that kind of um there's often not quite so much space for that kind of meandering learning journey that i think so many of us have benefited from when we're taught in person um but actually on the flip side of that if you are short on time or you know that you're going to be kind of getting through a lot of material or actually you're cramming for an exam some students really benefit benefit from that have that very kind of directed specific like this is what we're looking at you only need to do this for 20 minutes and then we're going to move on to something else and I think actually in some circumstances that can be what students really need and I think one of the things I've always emphasized to, to tutors that I've mentored or to people that I've spoken to about who want to get into tutoring or want to improve their tutoring is that actually listening to the student and what they need is so valuable um, because even when they're quite young even you know eight nine ten year olds can be really clear about what they need and I think that is one of the benefits of online tutoring and that one-to-one kind of relationship is that actually after a few hours they can say actually do you know what I really benefit from playing these games can we play more games can we you know you can start to see the progress in their progress checks as the lessons go on actually they're really benefiting from this style of exercise whereas with older students you know your GCSE and A-level students actually some of them will sit you down and go look I don't want to do anything other than look at the book I need to to look at learn the quotes I need to learn write my essays have you mark them and that's it and then this is over and I can stop thinking (laughs) about my exams so it's kind of I think treating the student as the authority is such a valuable thing. And it's something that in a one-to-one space, you can, you have the benefit of being able to do. You can, you know, spend half an hour having a conversation about what they find difficult in the classroom. You know, why is it that you're struggling with this in school? But actually when we do it in the lesson together, you're finding it much easier. What's that? What can I do to kind of help that and, and, and improve that for you? And I think that 
kind of finding those opportunities to tweak it and tailor it and find kind of the 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 elements of that educational experience they're really benefiting from and refining that within your lesson planning I think is such a it's so it's so kind of enjoyable for for me as the tutor but also I can see the benefit that it's having when we then do our progress checks or practice exams or those kinds of things so yeah for me I think that's 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 the core of it really is is having that opportunity to give the student a voice and to, to give them a bit more control over their kind of educational journey if you like. And I think that one size fits all is what we're sort of fighting against so often, isn't it? Because mm, it's that completely. personalized learning and, and personalized learning, like you say, comes different on each day because a different day brings a different set of emotions, a different set of circumstances since your last lesson. And to have that time to do that, because I often I sort of notice certainly within my sort of one to one percussion teaching, you know, mm. Like you say, there is time, you know, while they're taking their books out of their bag, you know, you they've had a sports event or they've done something. And so you have that kind of conversation, which which is a very nice yeah. thing to be able to do when you are face to face. But sometimes they just come in and they've just completely <laughs> had it already by the time they get to sort of midweek because various things have happened. They've been boarding or they've been on a trip or they've done something and it's as much as they can do to stay focused. Mm. And other times they're you, you know, they, they've been practicing all week and they think that, you know, this is the greatest thing ever that they've had the chance to do and, and it's really easy but it's the same child but like you say week on week it, it goes in but like you say the great thing about the one-to-one is you get to build up that that personality and that understanding of their personality and yeah. and so you 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 sort of know oh, this is just one of those days we're gonna I'm gonna take it this way or this is this is not normal so therefore there might be something to unpick here or whatever it happens to be mm. and and I think it's what like say many sort of conventional classroom teachers would like to do if you have more time with less exactly peoples. yeah but you can't always do that so i mean like i say it's, it's a real advantage and and i think yeah sort of the the, the sort of carry on from that is the fact that it's it's that mix you know like you say many people will be having their their normal classroom experience and then the one-to-one becomes something which gives them the breadth or the the expansion they need or the conversation they need just to kind of work around what they thought they knew which gives them that confidence so exactly. I, I think seeing it seeing it in the round you know you've got your parents influence you've got the school influence you've got your tutors influence all those things make the whole and I think mm. that then uh, certainly for me makes me realize that it doesn't have to look the same for everybody because their experience and where they're coming from is going to be different in each each child's situation yeah absolutely I think one of the things I have really I have become acutely aware of in my time as a tutor is that uh, and and I talk about this a little bit in the book and my foreword writer talks about it a little bit as well um this idea that kind of when you're in the classroom and you're there's one teacher maybe 20 or 30 children that actually they're, they're going to get you most of the way there right they're going to cover the core content they're going to give you the opportunity to talk about it with your peers they're going to cover most of it and the opportunity that tutoring provides as a one-to-one experience is to to get you that extra way there for all the barriers that you face in the classroom um, that you wouldn't otherwise have the opportunity to kind of um, find your way around or have an opportunity to kind of practice and refocus on. And I mean, in, even, in, even in some quite sort of um, specific ways, for example, one of the, the big things I come across when I teach uh, female students is that often they don't have the same confidence as their male peers. Um, so the classic line is always, oh, I'm not sure if this is the answer, but, and then they have a go and they give me the right answer first time, every time. Uh, oh, I'm not 
sure if this is right, but you know, I'm going to have a go, or I'm sure this is wrong, but, um, and it's that lack of confidence that, that giving them a space in a one-to-one environment, giving them an opportunity to, to have a go and know that there's no one listening, no one's going to laugh if they get it wrong, that teacher's not going to be annoyed and move on, um, that actually that, even just the opportunity to build that confidence. Um, in the moment, they might not be learning anything new, but they're having an opportunity to test that out uh, and to do that in an in environment that feels really safe and that I can, you know, repeatedly say, look, it's okay to get it wrong. It doesn't matter. I'm My favorite line is always, I'm not a teacher. This isn't a test. Like to really kind of take the pressure off and provide that space where they feel really safe and and, and kind of um, comfortable to make mistakes and, and learn from them. And then even if they don't learn any new knowledge necessarily, they're then taking that practice and that experience and that skill with them back into the classroom to then embolden them to, to have a go in the class or to put their hand up and say, actually, I do. You know, maybe it's this or, or, or ideally cut the word maybe out of their vocabulary. Um, <laughs> and just say, I think it's this and, and, and kind of build that confidence. And so for me, it's like, those are the bits that I get the real joy out of is noticing when tutoring isn't just providing, you know, an additional op- additional opportunity to practice, but actually giving them something they're not getting in the classroom otherwise, and they wouldn't necessarily get um, otherwise. Um, so yeah, so those are the bits that for me, I, I think are the most valuable. Um, I think they're often the bits that people overlook, um, or, or don't necessarily notice that they haven't been a tutor themselves. So yeah, and that distinction about the asking questions, I think, is so incredibly important because one of the things I certainly know as a parent, you know, they often you sort of hear that kind of either I'm expected to know or I don't want to be seen that I don't know and I don't want to raise my my head above the parapet, especially when you start to get into those sort of teenage years as well. Mm. Um, and the thing about the one-to-one is, of course, you always have to ask a question or you're, you're being asked a question all the time, which you have to respond to. And I think, like you say, those skills that you're getting, like you say, if it's not content related, but the the personal skills and the emotional skills and the chance to sort of almost fudge that, like you say, back into the classroom so they have the confidence to do that is something, like I say, you can't grade, but it certainly is something which is incredibly valuable that, I mean, everyone deserves that opportunity, I think. Mm, yeah absolutely and it's and it's so rewarding to watch their confidence but like I say I've had relationships with students that last you know six months a year year and a half um and to see them grow and develop as people and and kind of in their own in their own ways and their personalities and kind of seeing those bits of them that they have the confidence to kind of make mistakes and and trip over and figure it out and not have to worry too much about you know being especially like you say in the teenage kind of period it's it's so you feel so conscious of being watched and being compared to your peers and it's so nice to give them a space where they feel comfortable and confident to kind of work out who they are and how they approach things on their own and there's no one to hide behind right if I'm asking you a question you don't know the answer you have no choice but to say (laughs) nothing or I don't know there's no one you can't sit at the back of the class and go oh I'm just not going to put my hand up and hope I don't get picked on like it doesn't there's nowhere to hide and I think initially people um, think that that's going to be a really intimidating aspect but actually if you choose to make it intimidating it will be and if you choose it for it to not be then it won't be uh, and if anything it can actually be a really valuable opportunity to learn that saying I don't know is not a failing it's not a you know that's not a personal kind of um, uh, failing it's it's just something you have to learn to do and as adults we know that saying I don't know is absolutely fine but actually when you're 14 or 15 it can feel this or like this huge awful thing to say I don't know I don't know the answer um, and so to kind of create space for that to just be a very normal part of the learning experience I think is a really really valuable um no matter who what you know I've taught you know all the way from key stage two up to to adults at this point and and I think everybody benefits from that regardless of what age they are and what stage they're at so yeah definitely um yeah 
I, I think it's incredibly important, and and I and I love these conversations because of it. Because, like I say, I think in 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 the mass of everything that we're learning all the time, those key things are, are so integral, but things that people just don't get the opportunity for. So it's great to be able to discuss those. Mm. Um, tell us, online tutors toolkit. What would you like people to kind of understand, sort of from from the very beginning, in terms of, of what you've sort of set out there and what you're trying to help people with? Yeah, sure. So I can kind of give a, a bit of a backstory, really. It's it's a project that kind of came out of nowhere. It wasn't really, it was something I, even I didn't really see coming. It was it was a really sort of awesome opportunity. So um, when the pandemic hit, I remember quite early on, there was an announcement that they were going to be, the government were going to be providing additional money via pupil premium for computers and uh, Wi-Fi boxes and uh, hours of teaching uh, through tutors um, kind of on mat. There was going to be this huge program to provide new stuff. And I'd been tutoring for a little while at that point, and I kind of suddenly thought well there's going to be this massive influx of tutors into the into the industry um and there's not a lot of training there's not you know actually a lot of the time the agencies or the sites will be looking for people who haven't done their pdc or anything yet they want students they want university students they want people who are have only just done their gcses and a levels because then they know kind of the exams inside out because they've just done them but on the flip side of that you don't have any teacher training you've not necessarily ever worked with you know children before you've not necessarily ever had those opportunities to kind of learn kind of the pedagogical aspects of, of what it actually means to teach someone and most people just assume that if you're good at the subject that's enough and you can kind of work it out from there and yeah that is true i it's certainly what i did it took me about 18 months i think to go from being somebody who knew a lot about my subject to being someone who was good at teaching it um and so it's that real kind of process of learning that but for me that didn't seem fair you know your first couple of students that you have are not going to be getting the full benefit of your um, knowledge about your subject because you're not going to be good at teaching it yet and yes you'll build that over time but surely there's got to be something that can kind of help you to get better at that and I realized there was just no there were no resources for that really um, there were the odd modules here and there offered by sites or agencies but you had to be a member of that site already or you had to have been chosen for that particular training program and it just didn't it wasn't particularly kind of accessible um there is a bit more now i do have to say the pandemic has helped but even now it's it's relatively limited still and i just kind of started thinking to myself well everybody i speak to about tutoring says that you know actually learning from somebody who's been doing it for a while is really handy that actually i've got some things that i can tell them that are kind of shortcuts so rather than having to go and learn it yourself school of hard knock style you can just have someone go oh it's on this website or it's here or you need this or whatever and I thought oh I could actually start putting that together so I'd already been compiling notes and talking to other tutors about kind of what they needed and it wasn't until I got this push as I said from a mentor of mine who was like you could you could put this into something proper when I started saying oh okay maybe I should I should start writing um, and so when I pitched it to to a publisher a few months after that they were like oh yeah actually if you can make a good argument that there aren't resources like this out there which they're there just aren't um then then yeah we're absolutely interested and so yeah I did that and and fortunately they said yes and we're really interested in it and it kind of grew into well I think it's I think it's a a pretty substantial I think it's over a hundred thousand words uh the, the books it's a pretty substantial piece on uh the real practical elements there's nothing in there that's particularly fluff it's all kind of the technical practical logistical elements of what does it mean to be a tutor where do you go what do you need kind of 
uh, everything from the kind of hardware and software you need all the way to kind of what does it mean to assess a student? How do you do that effectively? Uh, uh, and so on. I can I can give a bit of a breakdown of the way the book is structured as well, if, if that would be helpful. Yeah, please do. I think I think that'd be really interesting for people, like say, because it's it, the, the, the broadness is, is quite vast, isn't it? Like say, talking about technical and hardware to the software to the to all those bits in between. So yeah, that'd be great. A little yeah, overview. Yeah, sure. Of, so of, it's, of it, it was about. really interesting as I was putting it together, I was suddenly conscious of what would be the most most useful way to think about it and I tried to kind of plot it as I went as if you were being introduced to tutoring for the first time so what would be your initial questions and then kind of how would that develop and what would you want to know as, as you got more technical and more subject or age specific so the way that it's arranged is two sections effectively so the first half of the book is basically I've become a tutor what do I need to know so it starts out with a bit of an introduction and a bit of a, a kind of uh, information about my journey and what I did uh, and then basically all the lessons I learned from that and, and how I would do it differently and then it goes into the kind of real kind of basic logistical stuff so what kind of camera do I need? What kind of microphone do I need? What kind of software is best for different subjects? Do I need special math software or do I need some kind of, uh, I don't know, um, screen reader or something if I'm going to be doing stuff with a lot of text or those kinds of things. Um, then it moves on to which agencies and sites I've previously worked with and the different types of them. So you can be a freelance tutor and you can work for lots of different sites. You can be an agency tutor and sign up to just one and they'll, they'll assign you students and you have to work with whoever they choose for you. Um, you know, what kind of requirements do they usually have what kind of grades do you need in different subjects to teach them um, that kind of real basic stuff um, and then once I kind of got through all of that kind of stuff that you can kind of just figure out with a bit of um, uh, which depends on your, your kind of own journey the kind of tutor you want to be and those kinds of things once you kind of got through those initial questions then I wanted to think about the students so if you've never worked with a student before what do you need to know well for me, there are five kind of key elements of that, and they're all to do with how you decide what kind of subject you're going to tutor, what age you're going to tutor, um, where you find the students. Once you found them, how do you work out what they need? So what kind of questions do you, do you need to be asking the, the child or if, depending on what age they are, their parent uh, about what they need? How do you assess them? Um, if you've never looked at the kind of um, grade requirements or you've never thought about how um, kind of the stuff is graded beyond your own exam kind of experiences, okay, what what does the student kind of think about that? How do, where do they rank themselves? Where do you rank them? What do you need to see from them to know that you're kind of assessing their level accurately? Um, what kind of feedback might their school give you and what can you learn from that? Uh, and building kind of different subject specific elements into that. So how do you assess them in English? How do you assess them in maths, science and so on? Um, so that's kind of the first half of the book and it kind of answers all those questions as, as, as best um, uh, my experience kind of reflects. Second half of the book is all subject and age specific. So, okay, you found some students, you've decided what you're going to tutor, this is how you actually tutor it. So, for example, uh, the most common tutored subjects are GCSE, English and Maths. So, uh, I'm a, uh, an English specialist, but I've taught pretty much every subject at this point. Um, but if I was going to be an English tutor, okay, I'm going to tutor English, uh, GCSE, uh, English Literature and, and Language. Here are the exam specifications for both of those. This is what their answers need to look like. Um, these are some techniques that you can use um, to think a little bit about what the, the kind of core skills are for those qualifications, as well as the kinds of things they might have been taught in school up to that point, what kind of texts might they have covered, um, that sort of stuff. And then there's also some lots of like exam specific guidance. So the most common texts that might get taught by schools, uh, the most kind of common approaches that they might use, and therefore how you can use those 
uh, in your lessons because obviously it's best to to not introduce anything too new for for tutors it's generally best to go off what the student's going to be most familiar with um, so there obviously has to be a little bit of information in there about what schools are using and how that works and, and kind of what I've learned from students about the way that they're being taught um, and it kind of follows all the way through so that's your, your standard subjects there's key stage two uh, English maths history geography and science same for key stage three uh, GCSE English language literature maths uh, and there's also history, geography, science, uh, A-level for the same. Uh, and then I also include English as a second language, which is another of my specialties. I'm a, a qualified TEFL teacher, and so I wanted to include some information in there because that's a huge area of online tutoring is, is teaching English for, for students and for adults as well. Um, so I include some information in there. That one can be a bit tricky because a lot of English as a second language students aren't following a qualification. They're just learning in their free time or they just want to get better at conversational English. So how do you work out what to teach them? How do you work out mm -hmm. what conversational English consists of? What will be most useful for them? Uh, and then I also included some information in there about university applications, because that's a huge thing that I get asked about by A-level students and their parents is, my child wants to apply to Oxbridge. What does that What does that mean? What does that look like? How do you tutor them through that process? So looking at uh, interview techniques um, and personal statement information, those kinds of things. So that's why I say the book is also useful for parents and home educators as well, because there's lots of information in there about the kinds of questions that can be difficult to answer when you're you know getting that information directly from the school there's a lot of stuff in there that the school might not necessarily um, know but actually your tutor will be able to offer and so thinking about kind of how as a tutor you can offer the most useful information and fill in the gaps most effectively um, so yeah that's kind of uh, oh and the 11 plus as well there's there's also applications for selective schools so 11 plus 13 plus and 16 plus are all covered yes I'm aware that I've just talked at length <laughs> but yeah that's kind of a, a, a bit of a pricey really of, of, of the book there's a lot in there but I hope the kind of the way it's designed is that it's as accessible as possible so you don't ever need to kind of read through reams and reams of stuff to find what you're looking for it's all very clearly signposted because otherwise you just get lost in <laughs> how much there is out there so i wanted to make it a nice and nice and clear and easy to follow yeah and and it sounds that and that ability like say to kind of sort of earmark exactly the bits that you need because i guess like i say if you're specifically doing key stage two english because that's what your real focus and passion is that you'll want to be doing is one-to-one -one, then the rest of it's important in terms of having that breadth maybe but it may be where you're not spending as much of your energy so like say the tech and the understanding of how it all gets put together by the first part of the book and then like say that the, the the sort of the educational resources as it were in terms of what you need from a subject point of view takes you through that I, I, it, it sounds fascinating in terms of really giving everybody i, I just think that, that there's there's almost like a, a support network there you know a foundation of yeah. you know even if I don't need all of this bit now, I know that I've I've got the development I can do, and I've already kind of got to know you in inverted yeah, commas exactly. in terms of knowing how that works. And I can, you know, if I then you know eleven plus comes up, or actually I've never done GCSE before, but actually it's something I think I can get into. I can, I can sort of see how that development can can work really, really well as as well. And you mentioned there about sort of students and people who've just been through the system themselves. Mm. In, in your sort of experience, how, how is that kind of working in terms of numbers? Because you always think sort of tutors being ex-teachers or people who are doing it in their spare time. So it's fascinating that sort of sense of, of people who may not be teachers or tutors mm. in a traditional sense, stepping into this world and actually sort of supporting children who may only be a few years younger than themselves. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's actually really interesting you say that. They, I think there's an estimate that there's between, because there's no um, like registration board or certification board for tutors. There's not a clear idea of exactly how many of this 
us there are in the UK. But they reckon it's around a million. They reckon there's around a million uh, online tutors and, and home tutors in the UK. Um, and I would say from my experience, the vast majority of them are university students or recent postgraduates um, who are um, looking at basically who have been recruited essentially because they are young, they've only just done the exams and they are looking for an opportunity to pass that on to um, kind of younger students. Like you say, only a couple of years. I mean, I've taught students who are literally a li uh, at the time who are literally just a, a year or two younger than me. And that's always an interesting one to navigate as a 19 or 20 year old being like, oh, you're only 17 or 18. How do I mm. how do I navigate that kind of um, uh, relationship and ensure that there's a kind of uh, a mutual respect uh, in this relationship? But, but there's also an understanding that kind of there's a reason I'm the tutor and <laughs> you're the student kind of moment. And, and that's always an interesting one to navigate uh, and a really useful skill, I think, as well. Um, but yeah, I, I would say that I think a lot of people are surprised and I've definitely had parents be a bit um, uncomfortable um, about I've had a few people say oh but don't you have a PGCE or why don't you have a PGCE or you know aren't you a trained teacher and you go no actually I was hired because they didn't want a trained teacher I was I was asked to become uh, a tutor because that's not what they're looking for you don't need classroom management skills you don't need a complex understanding of pedagogy you just need to know your subject really well and be um, open and flexible to learning how that student learns best and adapting what you know uh, and your own skills your revision skills and those kinds of things to to help this student um, and that's why I think the book is so valuable because I think it, it kind of helps to shortcut um, so much of that kind of learning process for for, for undergraduates and postgraduates who want to help but don't necessarily know how to if they haven't if they haven't studied education or they haven't come from a background where they've kind of worked with children before then actually that can be a really useful kind of starting point for them to think about um, how to adapt some of these kind of quite complex pedagogical ideas into very basic kind of teaching principles essentially or tutoring principles um but yeah i think often people are surprised that the vast majority of us are not not trained or not ex-teachers or whatever uh, we're often just students who are um passing on our kind of own knowledge and our own skills from from having taken those exams ourselves and also that that's what the industry is looking for i think people are always surprised that that's actually really sought after um, rather than something that that tutoring agencies are putting up with it's actually a really valuable um kind of skill to have someone who's so close to having had that experience themselves and obviously um, when you've done well in those exams yourself when you as a tutor generally you're going to be someone who did really well you know got A's and A stars that actually you're going to know the insides of the exam the kind of the the nitty-gritty of, of how to approach those processes um, much better than potentially a teacher who might be 10 or uh, so years out from having taken those exams themselves but actually um, has learned a different set of skills that might help with the core skills but aren't going to help with the finer details of how to get that A into an A star or something like that so it's, it's interesting that it's a very different skill set is a very different set of knowledge um, and, and I'm kind of trying to use the, the the way I wrote the book was essentially to capitalize on that and to think actually if you've already got the content knowledge down what's that extra bit that you need to help somebody else learn it rather than having to worry too much about learning a whole new set of skills as an educator uh, that you can really just um, to build on the skills you already have and, and take that content knowledge and turn it into something really um, specific and refined for, for passing on to the next person you speak to yeah and, and I love that mindset shift, especially for parents and like say people who are supporting young people with this, because that sense that it's fine because my child goes to school and they're being looked after by the best professionals going. That may well be true. And I hope it is. But I think we all, if we're honest, know that there are some 
teachers that are brilliant and the children really relate to and do really well with and there are there are some that that isn't necessarily the case mm. for um but just because like say they've got a pgce or or they've been doing it for a long time doesn't necessarily mean that they're a great fit for your child um exactly. but you know that that's that's mass education you know as it were and what you're able to do is in you know you can have these conversations you can see if the tutor's a good fit from a, from a sort of a personal relationship point of view um, and also seeing it in terms of what I need is for this bit of learning to happen and being supported by someone who knows what they're doing and I, it just struck me that sort of sense that you know that's so much of the way we're all learning in not necessarily school related subjects but it's that kind of you know I want to go somewhere so if you take YouTube for example or whatever you know I, I want to do this sort of thing or I want to learn this what do you do? You go and search for it. You find someone who's got the answer, but you don't necessarily just take the first video that you see. You think, oh, that just happens to be someone who's a friend of a friend who's kind of done it and it looks like they might know what they're doing, but with no idea who they are. But the people that present themselves in such a way because they're showing you that they've got X amount of experience or they are qualified in this way or that way, and they come across as someone that you can relate to and you and you trust, that, that no like, and trust idea, then you think, yeah, I could actually do this skill or I could make this happen because I believe what they're saying I've seen it happen like you can see the credibility coming through by the comments and the people and I guess that's exactly what you're doing as a tutor in so many ways you can have those conversations they can see what you're doing depending like you say when you're talking about agencies and how they come across you in, in the first place and all of that it's a much more kind of taking what you need rather than just having what you're given which I, I think is yeah. a little bit what happens in schools absolutely no I think that's absolutely the case and I think people forget as well that as adults like you say we flit between different resources working out kind of what works for us which bits of those that that we feel the most comfortable with or that we're learning the most from and actually for for children the thing that makes you a really really good teacher might not be the thing that works for this particular student but actually if they're then getting that from the tutor that they've come across who might have a very different style to their to their teacher might actually be the thing that helps them to engage with that subject or kind of helps them to see why it's valuable to 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 focus on this subject and I think the other thing as well is that often having been so close in age to or, or close in experience to the students that you're working with it actually means that you're able to add some of those additional pieces as well you know how many times I, I can't you know even think now how many times um, I've been asked by students oh what's what's secondary school like you know what are some of the things I'm going to secondary school next year what are some of the things I you know might need to think about or I'm really worried about this can you can you tell me what it was like for you or I've never you know I'm really worried about my GCSEs or my A-levels or you know I, I don't know which university to go to or those kinds of questions are things that actually you get to kind of be a mentor as well rather than just an educator and for me those things are really valuable because even if you don't have all the answers you can only offer your kind of personal experience um you know i'd always counsel tutors to, to to only talk about the things you you've personally done because that's the thing you know best but actually if you're kind of you're, you're just being another source for that student you're offering another additional kind of place for them to ask questions and be curious and get a kind of side of things that they might not normally get because obviously it's unlikely that they're coming across someone of your age and stage in their own lives already so it kind of unless they have older brothers or sisters that kind of thing so it's kind of just adding another source of, of knowledge and, and experience and I think that that's something I always love when 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 children kind of build enough of a rapport with you that they kind of go oh actually can I ask a, a separate question on the side or something that's more about kind of my personal development and you kind of get to be there for them in that in that capacity as well I think that's a really valuable element of tutoring and and it's such a, a rewarding element of it as well for, for the tutors so yeah I would I would definitely say that there's there's something quite holistic about what you can offer a, a child as a as a tutor 
um, which are oftentimes um, teachers just don't ha aren't equipped to do or don't have the time to do or whatever. And it kind of just, yeah, it gives it gives another outlet for that, which I think is is really helpful. And is there a kind of a network of I mean, I know there are a network of tutors, but in terms in terms of your world, you know, are, are there a sort of a group of you, a collection of you in in such ways that you you know you'd recommend someone else for a different age group or different subject, or or when they're asking you questions, like you say, it might be one step removed from your personal experience, but you say, but I know just the person that you could speak to or or, or get involved in. Because it always sort of seems like you either get involved in an agency, and I'm speaking just purely is one someone someone outside, sure. or, or 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 you get to know the tutor that you found. But in terms of that sort of having a pool of people and a, and a community of people that can support you in different ways, I'm just yeah, no, about absolutely, that. yeah. It's it's funny where I think people think of tutoring as quite disparate and quite isolated, and it is in lots of ways because actually we don't. It's not like we all get together in schools. It's not like there's a staff room where all the tutors hang out. You know, it's it's quite a yeah. it's quite an isolated experience in that sense you often unless you have friends or people you know in, beforehand you often don't know who else is doing tutoring um certainly initially at least but actually there are lots of places that tutors congregate and i found a huge sense of community from that there's a uh, we have a kind of um uh, a more sort of organized um uh thing uh, it's the tutors association which is quite good that they're the ones who kind of keep the some idea of rough numbers of how many tutors there are they offer kind of legal advice and safeguarding advice and all those kinds of things the nspcc also do some really good stuff connecting tutors with safeguarding um stuff and, and offering those kinds of bits that a lot of teachers would get through school but obviously tutors aren't going to have access to because they're not part of those institutions uh, and then finally a lot of agencies have their own internal forums so i would say i'm i've um, the, the agency I've worked with the longest, the site I've worked with the longest is, is my tutor and their forum is fantastic. Um, and I've really felt a sense of community with them. And yeah, exactly as you say, actually, you know, I'm going to have to stop tutoring for six months. Is someone able to take on my students? Or I've got this child who now wants science tutoring and I don't offer that. Can I, can I recommend them to someone else? Um, because otherwise you're reliant on your personal networks and that's often relatively limited if you don't know lots of other tutors already or other people who are doing tutoring. So it can be really useful to find those online networks. And that's what's so enjoyable about being an online tutor as well. All the things that make, you know, being in an online community great are magnified by the fact that your your work is already online. You're already connecting with other people through through that site or through that agency. So, yeah, I think people think it's isolating, but it's not. And I think that's a, a big misconception that I would I would want people to to, to take away from this is that actually yeah there are lots of ways to connect with other tutors and I would absolutely recommend doing that if you're not sure if you're thinking about becoming a tutor and uh, you want to know a bit more about it absolutely find your go online and look for tutoring forums go to the tutors association uh, and find out a little bit more from people who are already doing it because that is a really valuable way to to work out kind of whether it'd be a good fit for you or whether it's something you're interested in um, and it's definitely not as, as isolating as it as it can sound initially yeah that's really important and it's great to sort of sort of hear that advice in terms of like say people wanting to become a tutor or you know that that support for parents who are thinking mm. actually yes I'm, I'm entering into a world which i i can navigate with a little bit more sort of understanding and knowledge and, and that kind of thing um i'm always curious especially people who are involved in education if there's a valuable school experience you'd like to share or a teacher that you remember but someone that obviously had an impact that you maybe sort of hark back to in terms of what you're able to provide as a tutor yeah it's actually really interesting and when i was thinking about this question i i, I mean i i think i i've thought a lot about my own educational experience in the time that i've been writing this book and the time that i've been working as a tutor 
And the honest truth of it is that I had a really difficult time in school. I did not particularly enjoy um, school. I, I really enjoyed learning and I really enjoyed knowledge um, and, and learning and, and having access to kind of all of these new ways of looking at the world and all of that kind of stuff. Um, but I didn't enjoy the actual school experience. I actually found it very difficult socially and emotionally. It was, it was a really challenging time for me. And I think that's why, ironically, I've loved education as an adult and being an adult educator and um, being somebody who's able to um, put myself into one-to-one -one, um, kind of tutoring has been a really valuable opportunity to turn that what what was for me as a as a young person was not a particularly positive experience and to take that and make it a positive experience for, for more students going forward has been really valuable my my tiny classroom on my on my screen gets to be a place where students are safe and they are you know cared about and they can bring their worries and they can bring their whole selves and be whoever they need to be in my in my online classroom and, and I can be there for them to help them um, and I think that's yeah something that I've really benefited from I think it's been very healing for me to kind of create that space as a as a one-to-one -one, um, tutor and, and and give students who perhaps are having a similar experience or or, or just having a kind of uh, a, when they're having a difficult day even uh, even if the rest of things are, are generally positive if today is actually not a day that's working for them um, that actually I can be a kind of safe space for them to come and, and be their whole selves and learn because we know that students learn best when they feel safe and comfortable so kind of adding that extra level of kind of uh, being being a, a kind of separate educational space for them I think is really is really valuable and I've always kind of um, enjoyed reflecting on how different my experience as an educator and what I'm providing for students uh, was to, to the experience that I had when I was younger myself so so that's always a nice one uh, but I do feel like I should take this opportunity to shout out um, my my sort of old in secondary school English teacher my mentor uh, Mark Roberts who is uh, one of the endorsers for my book uh, and who said lots of lovely things about it and helped me to, to kind of get me on my journey to writing it um, he's an author himself and I loved his books uh, and so it was a really cool opportunity to kind of follow in his footsteps and and he was one of the, the people I really kind of looked up to at school and so yeah this and I nice opportunity to kind of um think about how my younger self would have would be so happy uh, that i've kind of taken taken this opportunity to to follow him and and to have him kind of be a part of my my journey post school is is really nice as well so yeah so it's kind of a a double-edged sword really but they're yeah, yeah, yeah. And, positive. I, and, and and i sort of love that journey like you say someone who's had an impact someone who then supports you i mean mentors or something we we talk about a lot here and they're so important in in so many different ways whether mm. you're a mentor in name whether you're like you say being a tutor and of course you are a mentor at the same time especially when you're on a one-to-one -one, um conversation on a regular basis and all that kind of thing i just think it's uh it's fascinating and i also love the fact that you know people who sort of go into education it's not necessarily i had a fantastic experience doing this and i'm going to replicate it often much better that this didn't work for me or i was uncomfortable about it, or it wasn't really right for me but I know what was because then you really show up in the world in really authentically because exactly. it's really, it was really important. Yeah. And, and and like I say, that, that gives you the skills and the understanding that you may not have known just by replicating something which was okay or felt okay. You know, it's sort of something yeah. which is really important. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's such a, such a big thing for me is that having had a difficult time, it's so important to me that students who come into my online classroom or when I'm in a physical classroom into that space, that actually that they have a good time, they feel safe, they feel thought about, that I've anticipated some of the things they might find difficult and and really kind of built that that space for them and that they are the priority in that space and yeah it always it always feels such a such a positive experience now as an adult that I get to create that for them so yeah definitely yeah yeah I love it um what was the best piece of advice you've ever been given or is there a piece of advice maybe you would give your younger self now looking looking back 
Oh, I would give. I I feel like it's such a such a difficult question because there's so many things. If I had the opportunity to go back and talk to her about, I would. Um, I think the biggest thing I've learned, um, is, and this is a piece of advice I give my students as well. Um, and it's a piece of advice that was given to me, and I will continue passing on as well. Is that actually so often the barrier to doing something is thinking you can't do it. I would not have written a book if I had convinced my if I'd stayed in the place that I was in where. I can't write a book. Proper proper writers write books. Books appear on shelves magically. I don't know how they get there. It's definitely not going to be me who puts one there. You know, that even just turning up to my very first tutoring lesson as the tutor and being like, what am I doing here? You know, this imposter syndrome about being the educator rather than the student. You know, I'm at university. What have I possibly got to offer yet that, that you know, and it's, it's amazing how much of a barrier that that is that exists purely in your head. And as soon as you've done it for the first time and you've had that go and you've written that proposal or you've sent that email or whatever it is, um, and you've put yourself out there yeah there's always the possibility of failure and you have to find ways to navigate that and feel comfortable doing that but so often you know asking the question or putting yourself out there is is absolutely like the thing to do it's it's so valuable and it's so often the thing that it's often the only thing that's holding you back that actually that opportunity is very much there for the taking if only you can kind of get over that mental barrier um i think it's probably my mum that told me that to be honest um but it's but it's such a valuable piece of advice and i think it's something that you know i i wish i wish someone had given me that advice um sort of earlier and I wish it's something that I think is something that so many of my students have benefited from is having me to to say actually look you just need to give it a go you just need to put yourself out there or put your hand up or do whatever it is you need to do to kind of give yourself that opportunity because otherwise it's going to pass by and 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 that will always be it's not a you know it's not uh irreversible but it is a shame if you let that um kind of pass you by without kind of giving yourself the full benefit of that opportunity so yeah that's that's definitely my bit of advice yeah so important, so important. I really love that. Now, is there a resource that's had a, a big impact on your on your life? And it can be personal or professional, e- either way, but it could be anything from a podcast, a book, a video, film, song, about anything that you'd like to share. Um, I mean, there are so many resources I'd point to. So absolutely, Mark Roberts's books, they're great. Um, I, and I genuinely mean that. Um, he's written, done some amazing writing about uh, gender in the classroom and thinking about ways to, to handle that. But also his resources for students are also great. Um, for GCSE English and, uh, and A-level English are great. Um, more broadly, I think there's, I mean, there's so many things I, I could talk about here. Um, uh, I, I love the film Goodwill Hunting. I feel like that's such a, a classic to come back to, um, but it was one of the first times I ever saw somebody, um, I, I felt really reflected my kind of like understanding of the barriers in education and some of the misconceptions there are about how we access education. I think that's an amazing story um, uh, to sort of get you thinking about that. So that's a, that's not a classic now, but I, I do love it. Uh, and I always think it's worth coming back to. Um, and then um, I'm sure there are probably others uh, off the top of my head, but yeah, th- that's definitely where I would start. Um, I mean, yeah, it's uh, there. There are so many others out there, but obviously, um, to anyone else um, reading as well, other resources, um, I would always come back to. to yeah, the fact that I, there's a book on my shelf with my name on it, uh, that's always going to be a source of inspiration for me as well. So yeah, yeah, for sure, fantastic. Now, just as we sort of wrap up. The acronym FIRE is really important here as part of Education on FIRE. And, and by that, it's feedback, inspiration, resilience and empowerment. What's the thing that strikes you when, when you hear that, that you think is maybe the most important or the thing that just sort of has that initial kind of thought for you? 
Yeah, so I, what I love about this acronym is there's so many different things in there. So to me, resilience and, and to sit right alongside empowerment, I, I've, they've often felt quite disparate experiences. Things, moments where I've needed to be resilient haven't always felt particularly empowering and, and vice versa. So I think it's really interesting to see them sitting beside each other. And the first thing that came to mind when I was thinking about this is uh, a supervisor I had at university who I found really challenging when I first met him. He was very difficult uh, in the sense that he gave really challenging feedback. I felt like his feedback was quite harsh sometimes and it, it felt like he wasn't acknowledging how much effort I'd put in he was just picking out the flaws in my essays and I think the first sort of year or so that I worked with him I just it, I, I dreaded seeing him I dreaded going to those those um supervisions and knowing that actually um he was going to shred my essay and, and cover it with red pen and then by third year I'd completely got over that and I could completely see how actually the things I was learning from him were so valuable and that the fact that he was so kind of straight to the point um you know cutting out all the nonsense and just focusing on exactly what I needed to get better when it came time to take my exams that was absolutely what I needed to hear and I think it was that that contrast of yes there are definitely things he could have done differently in the first place to, to be a bit more welcoming and a bit more comfortable for me as a learner but actually when the moment came he absolutely showed up for me and he gave me exactly what I needed and I think for me that really encapsulated all of the different elements that are that are within that acronym and I really hope that as a tutor and as somebody who's worked one-to-one -one with so many students at this point that they can feel a sense of all of these different things that I you know I'm not always going to tell them that their work is great and there's nothing to improve on sometimes there is going to be difficult feedback um, and also at the same time I'm hopefully going to give them the skills that they can go on to the next piece of work and feel as though they've they've kind of taken away everything they need to, to improve and to learn and to, to feel a bit better next time so it kind of yeah it's that balancing act of, of all the different things that you need to give to a student they're not always going to be super comfortable um, but they are absolutely going to be what they need and I think that's yeah for me that was the first thing that came to mind yeah I love that and, and I think that I that blended idea like you say you know you need to be resilient if you're feeling particularly vulnerable because you've been given some feedback which like you say you feel like you've done a lot of work and you know it's beneficial in the long run but you might not feel that there but also like you say the journey of that takes you into that empowerment and you know once you get that idea then you're inspired and, and I think you're right I think it's it might feel different every day even but it, mm. it's how you start to navigate how that works for you and, and and how like I say that sort of blended idea of it all fits together to give you what you need and also to support you on your journey because that's the thing I think lots of people always forget is that you know you want it all to look a certain way but that's kind of not often the way life works out for you and it's it's mm. there helping you as well as um hindering you may not be quite the right way of putting it but that can be how it feels sometimes oh absolutely think, yeah. yeah sometimes you just want them to tell you everything's okay and there's nothing to improve on and you've done great and actually you know learning is not pretty sometimes it's messy sometimes it involves um you know going back over something that you really really worked hard on and realizing that actually it's a mess and you gotta you gotta fix it <laughs> yeah. and it's it's that balance of learning how to give that message to somebody else and help them to improve at the same time as making them making sure that they feel safe to to learn that and to, yeah. to move forward in their own journey so yeah it's, it's a funny balancing yeah. act isn't it yeah love it well Molly, thank you so much do tell everybody where can they find out more where can they get the book and, and how can they sort of keep in touch with the, with the world that you've created for yourself yeah of course so so any kind of interest in myself and my other work and in the book there's all information uh, on my website www.mollybolding.com um, you can also visit my twitter and instagram at the molly Balding. Um, there's loads of information there about the book uh, and if you're interested in buying it uh, it's currently on sale on the publisher's website so on rutledge.com uh, it's on sale I think it's 20% off at the the moment so uh, and if you use the code asm09 i think you get an extra discount as well so yeah i've got got the hookup for that so yeah um uh, and any any other information yeah um is all on my website 
Fantastic. Well, thank you so much. And this is what I love about the podcast so much is that, you know, you tell somebody that you're going to speak to someone about the online tutors toolkit. That feels very different than the conversation that we've had and mm. the insights that you've given and the experience that you've got and the, the breadth of learning that you've been able to share with us. And I think that's the, the most valuable thing we can do here is sort of bring the personality into the headline or the or the book cover and all that kind of thing. So thanks so much for sharing all that with us and, and being so supportive. Yeah, no, thank you so much for having me. This has been re- genuinely really fun. So thank you. Thank you for listening and being part of this wonderful community. With over 300 episodes, I've collated 20 resources from guests that have been on the show to help you in your educational journey and those of you involved with young people. Just go to educationonfire.com and you can sign up on the homepage. Thanks for listening to the Education on Fire podcast. For more information of each episode and to get in touch, go to educationonfire.com. Education is not the filling of a pail, but the lighting of a fire.